Welcome Goddesses. Birth with love by two mummers, Mel and Sel, St. Magella is a podcast devoted to all who identify as a mother. We are here to evoke inspiration and knowledge while creating a community and a platform where every mother feels connected and heard. We want to shift the focus from the child back to the mother, because with a nurtured mother, a nurtured child naturally follows. Join us as we dive headfirst into topics ranging from sex to self-care, with healthy families and a healthy planet always front of mind. We too are mothers, learning, fumbling, triumphing, and we're not afraid to be raw and boldly curious. Let us be that friend that fills your cup after every interaction, because an empowered and happy mother has the potential to change the world. Let's do this. Before we start this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we live, work and raise our children, the Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We would also like to acknowledge that not all mothers will identify as a woman. We will use the collective terms mother and women often, but this is not limited to only those with a womb. It is inclusive of any person who identifies as a mother or a woman, regardless of their sex or gender. Although we can only speak through our experience in heterosexual cisgender homes, we are thrilled that families are diverse and wish for all to feel safe and included in our mama community. Hello, Mel. Hello, Celeste. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling... I started off my day frustrated and a bit of World War Three. um toddlers, partners, drama, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've just recorded a beautiful podcast with an amazing guest and I'm feeling really enlightened and lighter after it. So I'm pumped for you guys to hear this episode. It was literally medicine, wasn't it? It was. Stories is medicine. And we, so a little bit about the um, person we interviewed. Her name is Anna and she has um, the Instagram the Autism Collective, we expected this episode to be much more about autism in general. Day in the life, what she goes through, yada yada. Instead, we've just had like therapy for our soul Mm. about how to live life, how to conduct relationships, how to think about our personal growth and how how that impacts, yes, how that impacts your parenting. Yeah, how important it is to, if you're finding a problem in the external world to look internal and then that's your answer Mm. go internal and fix what you've got going on and then the external problems won't bother you really it was really incredible so so good we're super pumped to share this episode with you but we'll just start with our regular question yeah what what's that again um what's what's floating your boat what's floating your boat this week so What's floating my boat this week? What's been floating my boat for the last couple of weeks is an amazing co-written book. So two authors called Mother Tongues. Mm. And it's just blown my mind. I feel like I always do books as my floating my boat because that literary literary stuff really, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it takes me into a different world. That's like one one place that I kind of check out and... 
Escapism. Escapism, yeah. <laughs> so this Mother Tongues book is just fantastic. Two women, two mummers have written this piece that is like theatrical and performance and it's got just snippets of life, snippets of post-it notes that they've found on their desks, emails that they've written each other and it's just messy and absurd and it's just exactly what motherhood is. So it is medicine to read that book mm. and it's, yeah, it's really cool and it's, in, it's really inspired me a lot to start writing a bit more as well, writing emails to you, yeah, writing in my journal and it's really been floating my boat. Yeah. It's got a gorgeous cover too. I just, I just feel, I just pick it up and I just feel, you know, I love that tactile book in my hand feeling. Yeah, fuck the kindling. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't think I could Kindling? Kindle? Kindle! <laughs> <laughs> fuck the kindling. Well, actually, we need kindling at our home, okay? So <laughs> anyone that has kindling, drop it off. <laughs> oh, that's good. Kindle. What's been floating um, your boat? I'm just trying to rack my brain about what's been floating my boat. But I think the thing that I've been doing lately is um, it's not necessarily... I've, I've just been putting into practice this learning of stopping and realising when my mind is running away with me. Mm. So I don't know where I read it or, or what, but it, what triggered this behavioural change. But so... For instance, yesterday I woke up super stressed, Nick babbling on about all his to-dos and to be honest, I don't like waking up to to-dos. That's just like fucking <laughs> hell for me. someone else's. I know. It's like to-do it over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I unconsciously felt the feelings of anxiety burning, burning up and then I started plodding around making my breakfast and I just said it quite sharply but... But just carefully as well, Nick, I need, um, I need you to understand that I currently feel overwhelmed and that I'm reacting to overwhelm right now. And rather than um, impulsively say harsh words to you, I'd rather just tell you how I'm feeling and stop. Um, and I just need space. Mm. And just that changed my whole day yesterday because mm. I would have spiraled. I would have flamed. I would have chucked a tanty basically yeah but that awareness is incredible like and awareness. I, I feel really proud that i could do that so that's why i'm saying it's floating my boat because yeah. like Float oh shit boat, it's a new tool i've got yeah so let's see where this takes us hey cool i love that so our guest today is anna anna is a motherhood mentor and coach she's raising two sons jackson and hunter one who has autism she holds space for special needs mums and is an absolute wealth of knowledge. Welcome, Anna. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for coming to meet us today. Hi, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> Can we start with um, you telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do for a living? or? Yeah. Well, um, so I'm Anna. I have two little boys. One is six and one is eight. And I um, have a beautiful husband who I met in Europe. Oh, did you? Yes, and he decided he convinced oh, really? me to come and visit Australia to see if I liked it. And then now I've been here for 
um, 21 years. Oh, so where are you from? New Zealand. New Zealand. And yeah. you met in Europe. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Didn't even pick up an accent from well, you. Well, like, yeah, a lot of people like say Like a little bit, but nothing. I was like, there's some accent, but I don't, can't put my finger on it. Yeah, sometimes people think I'm from England because I say chants and dance. <laughs> I was about to say, so you're from England. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we met on a Kentucky tour and everyone thought it was hilarious that we, you know, fell in love yeah. on a Kentucky tour. But... Um, here we are, 21 years later. That's we so got married sweet. about um, five or six years ago. So I had to do a long apprenticeship before he decided. <laughs> <laughs> Worthy. Um, so yeah, I've got two little boys. Um, we lived in the city for a while. We moved down here when Jackson was born. He was five days old and we moved to Mount Martha. So that was fun. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> Jackson, you're a newborn? Yes. Yeah. Jackson's yeah. your oldest? Yes. Yep. And um, so I live in Mount Martha with my kids and my hubby, and we've got a dog, a big, crazy Labrador, who's Jackson's assistance dog. Okay. And he's lived with us now for about, um, probably had him four or five years now. Yeah. So he um, is moving towards retirement age, which I can't even think about. Oh, wow. Because I was like, got a letter the other day. So anyway, we were talking about that last night. Anywhere from seven years onwards. But he's a big, he thinks he's still two, um, behaves like a puppy still, so he oh. probably will have another good few years of service dog life before he goes yeah. to being, you know, I don't know. A regular dog. <laughs> yeah, a pet. So how, then, do you, how do you transition that? Like, okay, yeah. you could chill now, you don't have to work yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is quite a transition because you're teaching them, you know, like when you go out and in the, into the community that he's not like on anymore, you know. When we first got him, I remember the trainer saying to me even, when you go to a playground, if you take him to the dog park next door, if Jackson's in the playground and he's at the dog park, he's going to be half on because he knows yeah. Jackson's around. He's in charge of keeping Jackson safe. So like, they're very intelligent. They, he knows he's a working dog. He knows he's special. When he gets home from working, he runs around the house all proud and he's so happy with himself. So he has, um, like, time off when he gets home. Yeah, and for a lot of the time he is a pet, you know, like, we yeah. treat him as a pet when he's not got his coat on and when he's not working, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. which some organisations don't, but the way that he was trained and the way that we were taught to look after him, it's fine. It'd be so hard not to, I mean, he's a Yeah, dog well, he's part of the lovable. family. You know? yeah. He's a working dog, but he's still our baby too, you know. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners who might not know you so Jackson's autistic yep so I have two boys so Jackson is autistic he was diagnosed when he was two and a half um which is quite young but it was really it was it was really weird diagnostic process because on the one hand we had a speech therapist saying to us he's fine oh no I'm sorry sorry, the pediatrician was saying he's fine you know he's got some delays in speech in a few areas but he's not autistic um, you know, we don't think it's this, we don't think it's that. And so we just were carrying on seeing his therapist and his speech. He said to me, um, you need to go back to the pediatrician and I'm going to give you a letter and you're going to take it back. So, okay. So back we went. And then the pediatrician was like, oh, maybe we should do some more investigations. And maybe we should see a psychologist and do some things. And so it was just really like, I don't know, for us, I think a lot of mums who go through the process of getting a diagnosis where it's it's not, you know, based on imaging or, or medical tests. It's based on behaviour. Mm-hmm. It can be really like 
am I imagining this? Mm-hmm. You know, and you get a lot of gaslighting where people are saying, oh, he'll catch up, it's fine, it's normal, yeah. all kids are different. All of the things that people say to us because they feel uncomfortable with the, the conversation yes. that we're having. And so it can be really shocking to actually get that diagnosis because you're still sort of holding on to those shreds of hope that like it's maybe it's everything's going to be fine and maybe I'm just imagining it and yeah maybe I just you know he didn't have enough sleep when he was younger or whatever like we come up with a million reasons and so so you picked up on the fact that he it was a speech delay thing that was the first yeah yeah the first thing he he got to 18 months and he still wasn't saying any words yeah but we've had a few strange things happen over the years. I remember we were sitting on the bed one time and Jackson was running around the room and I think I was like two months pregnant with Hunter. And Ryan said to Jackson, come on, mate, you've got to start talking, you know, you've got to try and say some words, you've got to say yes and no and mum and dad. And Jackson said, mum and dad, like clear oh. as... And Ryan and oh. I just looked at each other oh. and we're like... <gasps> it's not that he can't necessarily... Anyway, that yeah. was, you know, we've had some strange yeah. things like that happen sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's all in there. It's all in there. He's so smart. But what I find a lot of times to... is that mm. kids, their brain, the way that it communicates with their body is not how my brain communicates with my body. Mm. And I can say to my arm, do this, and it does it. Mm. And he's probably trying to say to my arm, do this, and it does this, or this, or, you know. Sorry for people who can't see what I'm doing, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's flailing about. <laughs> yeah, I think um, a lot of times it's the messaging from the brain to the body that is not, that's getting jumbled. And I think there's so many children who have huge frustrations with trying to get their body to do what they want it to do, with trying to get their mouth to form a word, right? Like mm-hmm. speech is like the most fine motor skill that we have. Mm-hmm. And I, when I see how we learn to speak now, I think it's amazing. It's amazing that kids are learning to say words when they're nine months old or 14 months old because speech is so complicated. Yeah. So, yeah, so he was diagnosed when he was two and a half and then he had a really big regression when he was around his third birthday. So he'd started to get some words with speech therapy. Um, He had a lot of still typical behaviours and then when he regressed, he lost all of his words. He lost all of his play skills. So he used to have typical behaviours like we'd go to Bunnings and he would push the little trolley around. We'd pop something in his trolley and he'd be all excited. We'd have cardboard boxes and he'd stack them up in a pile and then he'd crash them over and laugh and like typical place was like that. So when he regressed he just lost all of that and he became really insular um, and a lot more repetitive behaviours came out, stimming behaviours. Like ritualistic um, kind of. Yeah, and just like really special interests. Like he, when he was little, he used to love doors. So at his birthday party, there was like 20 kids running around the house and he just wanted to open and close the sliding door. That's my daughter. For four hours straight. <laughs> she does love doors. She loves doors. Yeah. So that was when he was about three. And then um, that's kind of when shit got real for us because it was like, whoa, not only are we dealing with a diagnosis, but oh my gosh, it can get harder. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that was yeah really we weren't on a right yeah slope. because you okay yep you've got an answer let's link you into supports and therapies <laughs> yeah. and now things are going to get easier so like realizing oh there's no guarantee it's going to get easier maybe it's actually going to get harder or maybe we're going to get more diagnosis added to the bucket and so yeah that's when we kind of went oh god like we have to get and you were pregnant at the time or um, Hunter was 
won when he yeah. when he regressed. When he regressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's super hard. Well, look, I was so sleep deprived because mm-hmm. Jackson's sleep was terrible for the first three years of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being like eight months pregnant and sleeping on a beanbag next to Jackson's cot so that as soon as he woke, I could like pat him. Oh my God, like get him back to sleep because yeah. I was... So I had three years of chronic sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the first year of Hunter's life very much because I was so tired. Wow. I was still like Hunter fed in the night three times till he was 14 months or something, which was fun. Um, so yeah, like sleep challenges in autism are really prevalent. Um, unfortunately when you speak to doctors and therapists about it, they just go, Oh yeah, that's autism, you know, okay, but I'm going to top myself soon. You know, like I need some sleep. What can we do? Yeah. (laughs) So what is it? Um, why do they say that that's so linked sleeplessness and autism just because their mind's running everyone has different answers mm. yeah mm. yeah and it's interesting because when jackson regressed we were like okay we've got to get serious now about what we're doing so we started looking into biomedical treatment for autism mm-hmm. um, which in itself is controversial right what is biomedical treatment so Sorry, biomedical is looking at the symptoms of autism and mm-hmm. figuring out which of them could have a biomedical root cause because it's very easy for a doctor to say, your child's autistic, that's why they do this, they will always yeah. do this, there's nothing you can do about it. You can yeah. try and help with Band-Aid therapies, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll give you an example. <clears throat> there's a lot of research gone into gut health and autism. Yeah. So we changed Jackson's diet. We took off gluten and dairy, and we started transitioning over to a whole foods diet. Mm-hmm. Within two weeks, he started sleeping all night, and he's never, never gone back to bad sleep whoa so we went from getting up to him every night him having night terrors waking up screaming for hours or waking up at three in the morning hyperactive running around the house laughing you know (laughs) to getting a full night's sleep and i can still remember the feeling like a month or two after we changed his diet going to bed and thinking to myself I'm probably going to stay in bed all night. It was the best feeling in the world to be like, I can't believe I'm going to get a whole night's sleep. It's amazing. So just that enough for me was evidence that there's more to this than just saying, oh, your kid's autistic. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's how it's going to be. Oh, it's because they're autistic. It's like, well, no, hang on. Like, you know, like I feel like the medical system these days is all about giving you a label, giving you a a name, a coverall, giving you an answer. I'm saying that in quotation marks. So that just to shut you up and say, now you've got your answer, go away and deal with it. You can have some medication to band-aid some more stuff if you want, you know, rather than saying, okay, well, let's look at the root cause, you know. Mm. Even with Jackson's regression, it took until he was about five for me to be saying to the pediatrician, like, why are we not investigating this and getting a referral to a neurologist and looking at some medical imaging and he had a lumbar puncture he, they took spinal fluid you know all these different things that i was like i'm the one researching this mm. because you're just telling me it's because he's autistic so biomedical means looking at the root causes of all different symptoms because there are a lot of um behavioral symptoms in kids that can come from other sources not necessarily your neurology and even your neurology is affected by what's going on in your body, right? So, mm. like gut inflammation, brain yeah, well, they inflammation. Say, they say um, it can cause depression, whatever, yeah. you know, bad brain. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's neuro. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
even the even the world of you know looking at autism from a medical standpoint can be really controversial for some people mm. because we have this world of autism pride mm. and the the neurodiverse you know world who some people believe autism is a gift it makes me unique it makes me special and for those people that's beautiful yep and i love for someone to claim their autism as their identity and be really proud and love the unique traits that it provides for them mm -hmm. but for other people it's not a gift mm -hmm. and so autism is such a wide spectrum mm -hmm. that one person cannot speak for all but there are some people that want to speak for all unfortunately and there are yeah. people who you know look at me and say that i'm a terrible mummy blogger who's exploiting my child to <laughs> seriously that's to, insane you're yeah. sharing a wealth of knowledge yeah, and but experience I'm doing it without his permission like this is this is what people say about me that's so, insane yeah so there are people who think you know autism mums not that i really identify with that label but mm. there is no label that you know what do we identify with yeah um that i'm exploiting my child to make money and all kinds of stuff so you know it's a world that to step into when i started sharing my life on instagram was really confronting because it's like oh how is this going to be received and back then i cared <laughs> yeah well people thought a lot more um yeah so i just started sharing i just started sharing what i was learning and i started a social media page mm. um and i had recently been to a i don't know what you call it a conference or mm. a therapy you look back in life and there's certain moments that are like change the trajectory points. of mm -hmm. where you were going and I have two really clear moments like that since becoming a mum and I went to the states for a therapy to learn this therapy like a play-based therapy for kids on the spectrum yeah and it was actually five years ago this week that I was there mm. and I got there and we went and stayed in these beautiful cabins up in Connecticut it was stunning there was another girl from Australia going who I met through a Facebook group and we we're like such good friends now. We hired a car and we drove up from New York City and went to this place. So we're staying out in this beautiful scenic area. There's like hardly any internet, there's no TV. And it's a five day conference training thing. Mm -hmm. So we got to like day two and I was like, God, they're talking about us parents a lot, but they're not really talking about the kids. Like when are they gonna start talking about kids? And it was like day three and I started to realize that they weren't there to talk about our kids, they were actually there to talk about us as parents. And what I learned, which completely flipped on my head, my whole view of motherhood even, mm. take special needs out of it, mm. is it's like parenting is not really about our children, it's about us. Yeah. And so to be in that environment and think that I'm going there to learn about my kid but I really went there to learn about myself. And I walked away from there a totally different person. Oh, yeah, and it's so funny because when I was researching this going, I was like, they would call me from the States and be like, hey, Anna, like, we just wanted to find out some more about you, blah, blah, blah. What about <laughs> my son? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and um, I'd applied for a scholarship. And um, I, was I knew someone who'd been over and done it and said how great it was. And I was chatting to another friend. I was like, what's wrong with these people? They're so happy all the time. Like, they freak me out. This is a cult. What's going on? Like, cool yeah. And they rang me at 7 o'clock one morning. And they were like, guess what, Annie? You've won the scholarship. You've got a full, I think it was like $4,000 to go or something. And they oh, said, amazing. you've got a full scholarship to go to this 
training. And I was like, what's the catch? And they said, oh, you do have to write a thank you letter to the organization if that's okay. You don't have to put Jackson's name in it. And I was like, yeah, but what, come on. Like, and they were like, nothing. God, we've got all the sounds. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life. For the, for the listeners, yeah. we've got one baby awake. And the computer keeps on making a weird helicopter sound. <laughs> Just wants to fly away. So, yeah, anyway, I jumped on the plane and off I went. And yeah, I went. I thought I was going there to learn about my kid, but I went there to learn about me and all the ways that I'm making my life wrong, basically. And so I came home a totally different person. <laughs> it was wow. funny because we were like, is this place a cult? Why are they so happy? What's going on? Uh, and I'd been seeing a, a psychologist previously and she would say to me, oh, you know, happiness is a choice and things like this. And I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. Don't tell me that. Yeah. You go home you to tell your me life. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. So, uh, so I assume that prior to that point, you would have held, I don't know, is resentment a harsh word, but you would have had like, I guess a bit of blame on the situation as to like a why you're unhappy and like a thousand you know. percent. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at your face. Am I wrong? Why me? Blank faced me. Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why is this so hard? And I remember I used to always say to my husband, like, Why is this not bothering you? Why are you okay with all of this? Why am I struggling and you're not? You know. What did um, he say to that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, but, you know, you've got to take into account the way that I grew up too, which was, I learnt victim mode, I suppose, Mm -hmm. and that was my Mm go-to. And so I learnt, you know, oh, this is happening to me, this is really horrible, I don't have the skills to deal with this, Um, life's going to be shit from now on, not just for my child, but for me and for my husband and all of it, you know, so... I just fully went into victim mode for a long time. and I, But I was so unconscious about the way that I did it that I didn't know I was doing it. Like, it was just my behaviour pattern. And so even to come to learn that there is a thing called victim mode and to take responsibility that that's what I was doing, it's like the toughest pill to swallow. It's like, oh, God, I don't want to... You know, like, who wants to realize that I've been the one that's making myself miserable all this yeah. time you know and it's always harder to like the harder the harder road or the more challenging road is to be that really conscious person aware of yourself aware of what's going on like that is all it's it's a lot more convenient to be unconscious and just like go with those classic behavioral yeah traits then be like okay let, let's reflect and what am, what is mirroring here how can I work on it? Because mm. that's work. Mm. <laughs> Uncomfortable work. How many times have you wanted to be like, I wish I could go back to ignorant bliss? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but some days I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But then you don't grow. I know. Or yeah. you grow minimally. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of what woke me up, really. And I, you know, I used to be like, this is really hard, this sucks, why is it so hard? And now I'm like, this was a massive wake-up call for me. And I truly believe that now about all our kids, special needs, medical needs, whatever. It's like our kids are just a wake-up call. All the things that we can get away with when life's easy, you can't get away with them anymore when life is not easy. Yeah. When life's not going to plan. 
my plan, how I thought my life was going to go. <laughs> Plans. I definitely resonate with that. Yeah. Like with Mazzy's medical needs. <clears throat> I can resonate with the... Uh, I did actually fall really quickly into the she chose us. This is like mm-hmm. where the parents were meant to be caring for her. Yeah. There was, of course, flickers of the why me, why me. This yeah. is hard and like this is really rare and why. Mm. But... Yeah, it's always there's always a hidden lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still... I can relate to that even just from having kids, just in general. Yeah, um, that whole mirroring aspect and mm. yeah, terrible threes, <laughs> not twos. <laughs> terrible sixes. Yeah, terrible, just, terrible, maybe terrible just like things. terrible children. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And you said there were several turning points. Is there another? Yeah, so that was like five years ago. So Jackson was about um, three and a half, I suppose, when I went over to the States. And then I went to a workshop just before COVID hit. So like end of 2019, it was November, called The Bridge, which is with um, two, I suppose you call them coaches, called Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles. And thank God I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I went because I never would have gone. But I'd seen a few people talking about it on social media and that's it. If you can get to this event, you've got to go. It'll change your life, la, la, la. Okay. And I thought, oh, yeah, cool. You know, it'll be some kind of seminar that you go along and take notes and then go home and do nothing, change nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it Sounds funny good. what you think <laughs> oh, yeah. the outset? So, um, so I spoke to my husband about it and I was like, I just want to go to Queensland for this workshop thing and he was like okay so it was like a full day Saturday and a full day Sunday so off I went and I really didn't understand what I had no idea what I was in for but I also didn't really understand what I was doing there because I thought like most personal development self-help type things that I've been to before were like go along listen learn and then go home and implement you know the stuff but this workshop was like um they said at the start, you're not really going to, you'll take the least amount of notes that you ever have because you're not going to be sitting there learning, you're going to be actually doing things. So what they do is they intentionally put you into situations that stress you so that you can learn what your stress response is, for example. So one thing they do is they put you into an environment where you're physically getting pushed around and the facilitators watch you wow. and see how you physically respond. They say, do you go into fight, flight or appease? So they're looking at your somatic response to being in, under pressure or being stressed. So that then after that experience, you know, when you're stressed, you go into this behavior. So you can recognize it in yourself and be like, oh, I'm doing that thing. And now I know what I need to do to pull myself out of that. So experiences like that. So we stood up in front of people we just met and told our darkest secrets mm. and and not just be like, you know, huddled down and, oh, I did this terrible thing happen to me or I did this terrible thing. It's like you stand up, open body, proud, you make eye contact with everybody, you center yourself, you're present, you speak clearly about this really traumatic experience that you've had or this terrible thought that you've been having or this terrible thing that happened to you or something that you did to another person. And it's retraining your nervous system to be able to be in a really stressful stressful environment but still to be able to function or even thrive yeah so anyway that was like a two weekend workshop and then at the end they said oh who's coming back next weekend for extreme leadership and I was like oh no I never planned for that that's like another four grand and another flying up to Queensland for the weekend but when I was leaving I just felt the call and I was like 
I know I'm going to regret if I don't come back. Mm. So I went up to Alexi and Preston at the end. And I said, do you have like some kind of scholarship, you know? <laughs> I'm always asking. You've won one before. Yeah, so. um, and Alexi said to me, yeah, there is. It's called Ask the Room. And she handed me the microphone. And everyone was packing up and getting ready to leave. And I was like, Ugh. She said, ask the room for donations. Like crowdfunding. So I had to get on the microphone and everyone was packing up and I'd be like, hi, um, hi everyone. Oh. It was the most awkward cringe ever <laughs> to get everyone just to even shut up and listen to me. Yeah. And then to ask for money, like how humbling and like, just get over yourself. If this matters to you enough, you'll yeah. do it. Mm, yeah. Totally. So a bunch of people donated towards me coming back. I went home, I got my husband a carer's leave certificate to take the weekend off work so that I could fly back up. Like, I moved mountains. And when I showed up the next weekend, people were like, okay, now she's come to play. Because when you go to an experience like that, it's to put yourself out of who you are and be somebody different, right? So, like, we have coaches throughout the weekend. And in day two, my coach came up to me and she said, all right, how do you think you're going? Do you think you're really pushing yourself? Do you think you're really giving everything you've got. And I said, yeah, I really feel like I'm giving it 100%. And she goes, Anna, I think you're not even giving it 10%. Right? I'll give you an example. So like when you arrive for the workshop in the morning, they've got music, right? So there's a bunch of people in the corner who are like, yeah, rocking, dancing, getting all and getting down. They're like, all the, and I'm looking at them going, oh, they're, that's them. That's their. They're I'll, the crazy crew. Yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. Cool for them, but that's not me. Hmm. And what I didn't realize at the time is that they were offering me an opportunity to be someone different and to experiment with my identity and be like, oh, is that possible for me? Can I be like that? Oh, I can't because I think, I, 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 you know, awkward, people are going to laugh at me, whatever. Yeah, I can't dance. Right. <laughs> and so that's what I wasn't realizing throughout that experience that first weekend. It's like, this is your chance to play a different game than who you are. Like they call it playing the opposite game. If you're normally quiet, be loud. If you're normally loud, be quiet. Mm. Experiment with who you can be in a safe container where no one's judging you and just see what's possible for you when you don't always follow your same condition patterning. So when I went back the next weekend, they were like, oh. fuck yeah, like she's back. She did it. Like I had to move mountains to get there. And still like that weekend was a whole nother level of, it was four, it was three days from like eight o'clock in the morning till nine, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Every day. And they put us through the craziest experiments. Like there was, oh, <laughs> the stuff that we did was oh, unreal. Yeah. Um, there was a, so we came back after lunch and they were all dressed in these alien spacesuit things, right? And they were like, and the lights were off and only the emergency lights were on and there was flashing lights and there was a voiceover going, doot, doot, evacuate, doot, doot, evacuate. And they were all walking us around going, come this way, come this way. And they took us and like lined us up and they were like trying to create this environment where we're on a, a spaceship and the spaceship was crashing. I'll try and make it short for you. But basically mm. they said, um, you're on this spaceship and in the middle there was chalk eight spaces drawn and they said only eight people can get into the escape hatch the rest of you are all going to die how many of you were there then? 90 people probably so they said you've all got 30 seconds to write a goodbye note to your loved ones do it now so we all wrote a goodbye note to our loved ones and then they um 
came around with popsicle sticks and they gave us all five popsicle sticks so this was the second uh, the second or third day of the workshop and they said um you're all going to vote now of who gets to go um and you all get 30 seconds to plead your case so we all stood up i think i should get on the spaceship to blah 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 blah. why and then after that people just started um then we got to vote who got one of the eight spaces. Some people just went over and sat down and were like, I'm not moving, like I'm taking a space because my kids need me or whatever. Mm. So then um, they got us all out and then they said, what we're gonna do now with your five popsicle sticks is you're gonna, I'm gonna take you and walk you around the room to every single person and you're going to give your five popsicle sticks as votes to people that you want to get on the spaceship. But you have to go to every single person, look at them, say their name, and say, you live or you die, as you give them the popsicle stick. So there's 90 <laughs> people in the room. This would have been a really long experiment. Yeah, it went for a couple of hours. Yeah. They walked us around the room, and not only, they, they were like rough, they were grabbing us. It was like a boot camp wow. experience. And, they were, and so, and, but what they're doing is they're putting us in a stress environment and seeing how we react. Yeah. And then they're reminding us, what, what are you laughing about? You're trying to appease me. Why are you say, laughing? Laughing? Why are you not laughing? taking this seriously? Right? So they, they'd speak you through what you're doing and how you're trying to control the situation, appease someone by smiling and laughing and saying, like me, like me. Yeah. Or um, people get aggro and they go into fight, fight mode. So like they're teaching you. This is how you show up in life when someone stresses you or when you're at a bar and someone looks at you the wrong way or when mm. you fight with your partner or when your kid won't stop screaming or whatever. So then they took us around and we had to go to every person and say their name and say, you live, give them a popsicle stick or say you die and don't give them a popsicle stick. Now, do you think I knew 90 people's names? No, yeah. No. People who were even in my small team. And when you're in a stress situation, you go blank, right? Yeah. So you're still learning how you behave when you're stressed. So it was the most humbling experience to be dragged around and look at people and be like, I've had deep conversations with you, but I can't remember your name, mm. right? Yeah. And so at the end of it, they were like saying, what does that say to you if you don't remember someone's name? Yeah. And what does it say about you when people don't remember your name? Mm. So like everything's feedback, yeah? That's so cool. like there will be some people in that room that everyone knew their name because they'd been so visible throughout the experience. And some people there, nobody mm. knew their name. Yeah because that hardly showed up at all, or they were shrinking in the corner, or they didn't speak up when they had the chance. So um, then at the end of it, they, we counted who had the most popsicle sticks, they had the most votes, and they got to go as, get a seat in the thing. But the people that had the most popsicle sticks, if they didn't keep one of their popsicle sticks for themselves, they didn't get to go. So they said, who kept one of your votes for yourself? And everyone was like, oh, no. <laughs> and they said, Which you ridiculous. choose all the other people in your life, but you don't choose yourself to live. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, I didn't know the rules. I didn't <laughs> I know, know I could keep one. <laughs> yeah. But that's what they're trying to teach you is to like think bigger than the rules. Yeah. Fuck the rules. What matters? Of course, you. you right? So that's so like one example of the things that happened. So did you, obviously this, in this experiment, you could play with who you are yep. or who you present and to that's the what world. They, yes. And that's what they really encourage you to do is to be like, 
what's possible when you're not hiding behind all your conditioning, all your limits, all your things that keep you safe and make you think you've got control over your life, because you don't. Mm. What's possible when you play outside the boundaries of caring what people think, trying to be the good girl, all that stuff. So did you, following this event, well, in the event, you obviously learnt another way to be, I'm assuming, and yeah. then did you take that into your life? Every day. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. A, that's a good workshop. Yeah. Every day. It's Every incredible. day. And I want to go. <laughs> it, yeah. It's really changed. Like, I came home to my husband and I was like, I have to apologise to you for all the times that I have not asked for what I wanted, expected you to read my mind, oh. gotten pissed off because you haven't read my mind, expected you to fulfill my needs when you don't know what they are because I don't communicate them to you, use sex as manipulation, all of it. <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> all of those things are like, yep. just, I don't know many listeners who won't resonate with oh, that. No. Yeah. Not presenting your needs and wondering why they're not met. Yeah. Yeah, so it still goes back to that thing of taking responsibility for how we're showing up in the world, choosing how we want to show up in the world instead of just being on autopilot, which is how most of us operate because that's how our subconscious brains want us to work. Mm. But it's like, oh, okay, this behavior isn't really serving me, so am I brave enough to choose a different one or am I just going to keep doing the same thing and getting the same results mm. over and over? Which is the... Um definition of uh craziness or something insanity insanity yeah doing the same yeah. thing over and over expecting a different result <laughs> god i really need to myself. hear all of this right now don't i <laughs> <laughs> you do oh so do i don't worry i'm mm. sure a lot of people do gosh we have gone on a tangent yeah <laughs> i love it so good yeah. so two turning points yeah and i think the best the, the best thing about it is that it's it just has held up a massive mirror to me to be like, okay, you know, it's very easy to be like, all the problems are out there, but really I have to take responsibility for the fact that all the problems, not problems, but all the things that can be changed are within me, you know, like they say, as within, so without, and it's like, if I want to change things on the outside, I have to change them on the inside first, and after I change them on the inside, I probably won't want to change them on the outside anymore, because, you know, you... The things that we think are problems are not problems. They're just things that we haven't transcended yet. Mm. And that sucks to look at life that way sometimes because you're like, damn it. <laughs> but also amazing because anything that anything can happen possible. in your life, you can move through yeah. and upward. Yeah. 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 So having a child with a diagnosis really was just the catalyst for waking me up, I suppose. And um, Incredible growth. Yeah, realising. And, and it's, you know, if it hadn't been motherhood or if it hadn't mm. been autism, it would have been, hopefully, something else. Yeah. Because, you know, life's easy when you don't have challenges. But I must feel it's an initiation into being a bloody human. We mm. all need to have these moments. I mean, I don't know if the one that I'm thinking of was my moment, but it feels like it. And yeah. you've had big things happen to you yeah. where you've, your life's shaken up and you've had to change grow mm. look within mm. still in the makes me think yeah in the midst of it all though like i feel like i still am not at the point where 
I, it, it, it irritates me when I do self-work, work, self-work mm. and others don't. That, which is obviously its own thing in itself. Yeah. Like, I'm like, but why do I need to do all this work? Can't all the people around me as well do it? Yeah. It's like resentment that you yeah. have to carry it. Yeah. Like you have. Which is stupid because if I do the work properly, then everyone else's behavior won't bother me. Mm. That comes up a lot for me too. And that's, you know, sometimes I find that challenging in my marriage because I'm like, babe, I'm mm. the one going to the breath work and I'm the one yeah. going to do this and going to do that. And it's like, and he's like, that's your thing, babe. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay. So how do you get past that? Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, then I think, okay, what are these lessons here that I'm learning right through Jackson, through autism, through motherhood? And one of my biggest lessons that I have to learn is surrender and acceptance, mm. right? And surrender is like the opposite of control. Mm. We walk around laughing going, ha I'm a control freak. Ha like it's kind of a good thing and kind of not a good thing. And it's like, no, that is my biggest barrier to peace is that I want to control things. And, you know, that's a classic example. I want to control my husband. I want him to be doing the work. Well, that's not my responsibility. That's not my life path is not to control him. He's going to be who he's going to be, right? And it's my, it's my job to be who I want to be. I want to grow. I want to evolve. Mm. That's his choice if that's the path he wants to take. And, you know, I, I speak with so many mums who they have children with a, with a diagnosis and they're like, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing all the therapies with my kid. My husband's uninvolved. He's just switched off from it. He can't deal with it. And it's driving me crazy that I'm the one that's bearing all the load of this and my husband just you know goes to work and comes home mm. and I'm like people are going to be who they're going to be and we try to control them we try and get them to grow we try and get them to change we try and get them to take on more responsibility or to look at things the way that we do but that's just still us playing out our stories of trying to control mm. And so letting someone be who they are is a form of acceptance. It's a form of surrender, which I have to practice a lot because I find that really hard to allow them to be who they are because it's letting go, right? It's like, if he doesn't want to grow with me, that's his choice. Not like the who has issues with this. <laughs> All my hands yeah, are up. my feet are up. <laughs> but what about... <laughs> the mother load like what about fair enough they don't want to do like spiritual growth yeah. and all of that but what about the fact of like equality within a relationship mm. because as like you're saying these mothers with children who have disabilities they're like my husband's not doing anything to be involved in doing these therapies with the children and da 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 so why yeah. does it always usually fall on the mother to bear this whole mother load mm. how do you get past that yeah <laughs> there's so many different components to this Sorry. and you know like we all have to work out what it is for us that has enabled that because mm. there's no there's always a reason for every behavior true in our mm. kids and our partners and our 
whatever relationships is always a reason mm. and not I know asking for me, could be one totally of not yeah. asking and taking the control in the first place is yeah. always the one isn't it yeah. we like as women we are so much in our masculine energy right that's what modern society yeah, wants doing doing i'm superwoman i can do it all i don't need help yeah all of the story that we need to be on top of everything super mom right and what that means is a lot of time we are so in our masculine that it needs it leaves no space for our men, our men to step up mm. and they feel quite disempowered and like just get out of it because i can do it better you know that whole thing of we don't let them sometimes if i do it i won't do it good enough yeah you won't do it my not even good That's enough but my way think. yeah the way that i prefer it to be done this yeah. is how i like the dishwasher stack mm. whatever it is mm. right and, and so, we're always telling them how they've done something wrong. Yeah. So they're like, we've kind of like shattered their confidence yeah. in themselves. Yeah. Sometimes they don't want to step up. And I think often we know that, but we just don't want to admit it to ourselves. Like when we're in that situation where they've checked out and, you know, we have to assess, is this relationship really working? Is mm. it really what I want in my life now? What am I, why am I holding on to this, you know? Mm. But then there's other times where it's like, I feel like there's a lot more support available to women than there is to men, especially in terms of mental, emotional, spiritual support. It's true. People, I have clients who work with me, and then they come to me and they're like, oh, do you work with men? And I'm like, mm. I'm not a dad, so no, I don't. Like, mm. I work with what I know, you know. But I find it really hard to refer those people. And even then, you know, like, so mum will say to me, will you work with my husband? And I'm like, oh, there's something there. You know, like, you're, it's like, you you want me to work on your husband why is that like what's yeah. going on with you you know mm-hmm. so still it's like okay you're trying you to change them you're that? trying to, yeah sometimes yeah yeah it depends you know not everyone's open to yeah, yeah. And, and you have to some people like to be like get in there and really twist the knife and other people like gently gently you know like i'm feeling fragile so um yeah there's not a lot of support available to men even though we feel like we're not that well supported either it's it's far worse for men i believe and so there are a lot of men who are just checked out because they are not able to go there, like emotionally, mentally, they just safe. can't go there. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have someone to support them through the process. So, you know, I have a lot of, um, sympathy is not the right word, but empathy, I suppose, for, you know, there's a lot of men who are in struggle town and have the potential to do so much better. But they just don't have the support that, mm-hmm. that they need to get there. Mm-hmm. They also lack, like, amongst their friends and colleagues and, like, just the, the talking about it at all. Like, we're straight into it. Like, we – I don't think I've ever had, like, a fight with my partner and not been able to debrief straight away with someone. Yeah. Like, whether it's a text or a phone call or going to see a friend, it's like straight away. So, yeah. But they just hold all of that and don't really tell anyone. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is, it's a lot for them. Mm. I think the like, just hard feminist I am, I find it really difficult to break past that barrier of even having like empathy for men ever. Mm-hmm. And what does surrender feel like? Yeah. When, you, when, when Anna said the word surrender, is it almost like, like surrender? No, I won't surrender. <laughs> kind of. Get the it's, knife out. It's not like I won't surrender to life. But it's, it's something about... Or to someone else. I don't know. No, it's, it's something about men. I've got a full complex about men because of the patriarchy. And I just feel like 
anytime it's like a woman against a man situation, I'm just going to, no matter what's going on there, I'm always going to back the woman. Mm. Even if she murdered the person. <laughs> yes. Even if she murdered the Especially husband, I'd be like, I bet, you, I bet he you he didn't him. do enough. <laughs> he deserved to be murdered. But anyway. This is why I go to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, you often tell me that, uh, Some, don't I, you think Nick, blah, 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 like mm. you support Nick. I can see the side, but like, mm. yeah. When we have arguments. And did we actually touch on what you do as, what's your career? Excuse me. He wants to get involved. You want to come? You're a boy. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't think I did. So as my, I don't know, social media page kind of expanded, I started getting lots of people asking me questions about everything, all different things, therapies, assistance dog, mm. autism, motherhood, mental health, emotional health, all that stuff. And I just started getting more and more people asking me questions and I thought I'm going to do like an interview series, mm. which is what I did a few years ago, um, which was a whole lot of interviews, set up a website and people could just subscribe and come and watch all these interviews on all these different topics. With experts. And yeah. 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 And then um, it sort of started to grow more and then I got to a point where I'm like, I've been working on myself enough that I felt like I wanted to be able to help other people. But also I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? My kids are getting older. Am I going to go back to work? Mm. Am I going to, you know, I was working. What were you? Yeah, I was working for a hotel group as right. a marketing manager. Okay. And so to me, like I've had this epiphany of like what life is about now. And the thought of going back to work in an office was like, look. Isn't it? I think that's also common amongst mums. Mm. Like, there is no yeah. way I'm going back sitting in front of my computer yeah. all day. Helping someone else to make money who I, yeah. don't, who I don't like. Yeah. Um, yuck. Mm. So I was like, because I'd been to the bridge and, and was in this world of personal development now, I was exposed to so many people who were offering coaching services, life coaching, mentoring, all this thing. And I thought, I'd. I still really had to get over my whole money stories of like asking for money, thinking I'm worthy of money, thinking I'm mm. worthy of charging, all of that stuff, right? Oh, because yes. That's a big that's story. Big. Yeah. We do that. Yeah. <laughs> and my place is like, oh, I'm from the heart. I want to help. I care. I'm empathetic. I go to the ends of the earth to help people. You know, like I'll be at three o'clock mm. in the morning messaging people mm. who are asking me questions about this and that. And it's like, you have to get to a point where you think, okay, this needs to be a viable business to support me mm. or I need to go back to work mm. and then I'm going to be having a, a, a job and at 3am going to be messaging women who are in struggle town, right? So yeah, it's like, true. and I wrote a post about this recently because people, sometimes people say, you know, like, why can't you share all of this knowledge for free? And it's like, well, yeah, I can. That's my time. But then I would have to go and work. Shacking, uh, 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 stacking the shelves at Coles as well or do you know what I mean yeah. Like, yeah. so do you want me to work all day and then serve people all night when do I sleep and how about the tens of thousands of dollars that I've pumped into my own growth <laughs> learning and, yes. yeah, and so all of that and, and it's like the energy and the time like messaging people is no small thing like yeah. writing mm. well thought out if you want messages to do well. back to people mm. yeah and time um, away from your kids that's that's worth money yes, yes. time away from your partner yeah and also like i i teach self-care essentially mm. for the women and i can't 
to help people to look after themselves and yet be a hypocrite who's not looking after myself. Absolutely. So I need to be well supported before I can support other people. You know, it's like a rich person can't make a poor person rich because they haven't done it. They don't have the skills. They don't have that information to pass on. Mm. If you're sick, you can't help another sick person. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like you have to learn, embody, practice, all of that stuff before you can pass that information on. And that doesn't come for free. That's just a fact of life. Mm. And so for a while it was like, triggering and uncomfortable for me to be like I'm gonna start charging you know and and for people to message me and be like oh I've got this question about NDIS and blah 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 and I'd usually be like yeah yeah happy to help yeah and I am happy to help but when it's 20 messages a day it's like okay well yeah you know I gotta get paid too so what at the end of the day what's your response to those messages now so if it's a client who's worked with me in the past I'm really generous with my time because Mm -hmm. you know I believe that when people pay money they pay attention and you know like I don't really have this sounds bad after talking about scholarships but I don't really have scholarships in my programs because when people don't pay money then don't have skin in the game and they're not really invested so you're like nah maybe I'll turn up for the zoom tonight maybe I won't you know and it's the same with anything if people want support with NDIS you know um I can give them an hour of my time and then they may like but yeah, I should do that when I get around to it. Whereas if someone spent $300 an hour to work with me, they're like, I'm fucking doing what she told me to do. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so I don't true. want to work with people who aren't getting results because that's wasting... Exchange. Yeah. yeah. If, I'm not, if they're not getting results, then I'm wasting my time and their time. Mm. And so I'm a big believer really in like valuing my time, my experience, my energy, what I've got to offer so that the person I'm working with also values it and then they get results. Okay. Yeah. So um, in terms of Jackson, he he has selective mutism, did you say? No, he's nonverbal. I think a lot of what goes on with Jackson is um, his brain doesn't communicate with his body the way that mine does. Yeah. Um, And I'm so, we're so blessed that he is such a happy child. Yeah. And I, it, it makes me laugh now because I think back to like when he was diagnosed and I was like, this is the end of the world, this is terrible. But it wasn't terrible for him. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. the happiest kid. He's such a happy kid. Thank and God. he's not always happy. But guess what? No kids okay. are always happy. Um, a lot of the time, and this is really hard for mums to hear, most of the resistance is in us. Yeah. Not in our kids. He's not resisting being autistic. Yeah. No. He's happy as a clown. Yeah. It's me that's saying this is wrong. It shouldn't be like this. This is not what I planned. And society. Yeah. Oh, he's too hard. Yeah. He has to go to this kind of school. Mm. All that stuff. Mm. And us, I suppose, coming to terms and grieving with what could have been or what we think should have been. Yeah. That's all our stuff. Yeah. Mm. So non-verbal... um, he doesn't speak at all to you guys and how do you communicate with him then? Telepathy. (laughs) (laughs) Ma, I saw you had one of those amazing devices where he could ask for an apple or... Yeah, Yeah. so we've started um, teaching him to use a a speech device, assistive technology, um, which will be a slow process, but... um, he, I think he quite likes it. There's times where he gets quite animated with it, and there's other times where he's like, well, that's too hard, just give me my lunch. You know? Yeah. He's eight, so what do you expect? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he 
we hope that that will in the long term become a really robust communication device mm. for him but again you know we don't know where he's at in terms of intellectually um, he hasn't been to the pediatrician for three years so I'm sure when we go in a few weeks he wants to give him some more acronyms like ADD or ADHD yep, or yep. ODD or OCD or all these great things yeah um, I mean I'm very I really don't look at that stuff anymore like Labels and diagnosis are helpful to get support and funding, but other than that, they just don't really mean anything mm -hmm. um, because all they are is a way for a doctor to put to, to be like, oh, I've put you in a box and with it's a label. It's literally categorizing. Now, yeah, yeah, which means nothing. Yeah, and again, it's like going back to that medical, the biomedical path. It's like, okay, well, some of these symptoms, maybe we can find out what is maybe not causing it, but maybe making it worse, maybe making it harder. Um, and what can we do in a in a physical way, you know, to support his little body? So, um, yeah, I've lost my track of thought now. What were we trying? Well, I, I just had a thought. Like, can uh, you give us like a brief, I guess, day in a life? Mm. Is there a day in a life? Just for mums to understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, is there no Jackson goes to school. Yep. He goes to a specialist school and he loves going to school. So I'm super blessed Great. because there are many children who school is such a challenge. Kids on the spectrum, kids with um, you know, ADD and ADHD type behaviours that school's just not a great environment for them. Yeah. And that's really hard for mum to come to terms in where they thought, I'm going to have a little baby for a while and then I'll get a bit of my life back when my kid goes to school. Yeah. And so coming to the terms with the fact that maybe your child's not going to be in school is really hard because, um, again, it's like, but I have this plan and it's not going to plan. So I can imagine because I'm already like, I know, I like my life is planned for school. <laughs> yeah. And my, my youngest, you know, he goes to school, he's at a mainstream school, he's doing well, we got his report card, he's great, you know, all good. But in my heart of hearts, I know... He's not a hundred percent good fit for school, mm. and you know that's really challenging in terms of how much am I going to control the situation? How much am I going to manage the situation? At what point am I going to throw my hands up and say, "Let's try a different way"? Mm. Is my husband going to get on board with that? How is my business going to cope? Do I want to homeschool? All of that. What is homeschool? You know? Yeah. Um. Again, it's just that another way of like. The universe saying to me you just gotta let go and let it be what it is um yeah so jackson goes to school it's so adorable he catches the school bus <laughs> so the bus picks him up from our doorstep and he gets on the bus and he's all happy and he sits in his little chair and off he goes um so he's gone now monday to friday like 8 30 till 3 30 he's gone yeah wow um and we're working with the school quite closely because i know they have lots of areas that they're finding it hard to support him just in terms of engaging with them in the classroom transitioning around the school even sometimes getting on the bus to come home you know at school they have this amazing whiteboard which really is a giant television <laughs> that kids love what kids like Jackson love so he's just like this is the best you know yeah I don't want to be home yeah he's like can't I just stay here and so um yeah so he's at school Monday to Friday um in the afternoons we generally hang out at home we have support workers who come and assist around the home we've got a new one starting tomorrow because it's been really challenging 
finding support like this mm. in the current climate. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one thing that's come out of the NDIS is that there's so much funding in the no. marketplace now that so I mean everyone can hire a support worker, um, and the, the the pay is really good according to NDIS rates. So everyone thinks they'll charge you know the highest rate possible, even though they've got no experience and no qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a whole other so world. So the quality of support workers yes, is also terrible. In yep. And what what would you typically get a support worker to do, like in your instance, for example? So with Jackson, a lot of it is around his safety. Mm. Yeah. Um, some support workers are engaged to like take your child to the swimming pool and make it possible for them to do something that a child of their age without a disability would do. But with Jackson, a lot of our support needs are around keeping him safe because he has no awareness of danger if the front door is open he'd be gone he loves adventure he's like he's running down the road he's like check me out i'm free so he'd be and he loves cars so he'd be standing outside benton square shopping center having the time of his life watching cars zoom by within one centimeter of his face yeah yeah how scary (laughs) yeah so um we have a positive behaviour support practitioner, which is someone who um, helps create positive behaviour, basically. Because what can happen when you have a child that's got really high-level needs or has an intellectual disability or is not able to communicate or understand what you're communicating is it can be really damaging to your relationships. If you yes. imagine that you've got a child who does what they want all the time, you don't even know if they can understand when you're saying to them, get off the windowsill, right? <laughs> Yeah, it can really affect your relationships and you know I I speak with mums on coaching Sorry. calls who are crying because their kids in another room kicking holes in the wall and they're saying I hate my life I hate my kid right now I can't do this anymore Yeah. so when we don't have support support workers, practitioners, therapists when we're not supported well enough we end up in that situation where we are like, I hate this, I hate my life, I hate motherhood, I hate my kid. Lots of resentment. Yeah, it's it's too much for one person to cope with. Um, and so that's why I'm such a big, big advocate for helping women to get support because even if you have a funding package, it doesn't mean you're going to find the type of support that you need Yeah. or that it's going to be available um, sometimes, you know, with support workers, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find someone who's a good fit. And even that, for a mum who's in struggle town, the thought of having to recruit yeah. strangers to come and be in your home all the time, like the amount of There's women who say, itself. it's too overwhelming, they're just like, that's too hard, I'm just going to sit my kid in front of the TV all day, because yeah. then at least they're not kicking holes in the wall. Yeah. So, um, wow. yeah. So, we don't go out a lot. There are not many environments that are very supportive for Jackson, and I don't mean emotionally, mentally supportive. Yeah. I mean like physically. Yeah. There are a lot of places we can't we can't go because they're just not safe for him. And we could go, but it would mean I spend the entire time chasing him around, and that's not fun for him or me. And the more that he thinks I'm chasing him, the more he wants to run. So there are two playgrounds on the peninsula that are fully fenced. The one in Rye. One down here in Rye. Yeah, two. And one up in Mount Eliza and Overport Road. So, yeah, for for many years, while he was little, we had the choice of those two playgrounds. Wow. And even the one in Rye is no good because he can be out of my sight. 
So I like I need to have eyes on him all the time. Yeah. Because he'll pick up a little rock off the ground and put it in his mouth. Oh, or he'll climb over a fence and he'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah. And with orbit even? Well, the thing is, so orbit's great when you're walking down the street or when you're going somewhere or when you're staying still. But orbit can't go down the slide. Orbit can't go on the swings, you know. So yeah, there's orbit can't go on the if beach. You can't calories. go swimming. Yeah. Right. So there's lots of times where it's not appropriate to use orbit. And, and it's not fair for Jackson either to be constantly on their tether. Mm. So... Um, yeah, weekends, we have started doing quite a lot of bushwalking, which has worked out well because when there's a defined path to follow, Jackson's pretty good at staying on the path. Yeah. And he might often run off up ahead and we'll kind of catch up to him. Um, but when you're just on a footy oval, where a hunter wants to go all the time and kick the footy, he's just like, I'm off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how has it impacted Hunter in terms of if you're having to stay at home a lot and there's a lot of environments that aren't appropriate for Jackson, how does that affect Hunter? It's really challenging. I mean, sibling rivalry (laughs) (laughs) is fun. Um, You know, it's tempting to say, oh, autism makes it harder, but it's like, really, what is harder? Because we don't know what. Yeah, true. We have nothing to compare it to. Hunter has one brother and he's autistic and that's all he has ever known and all Mm -hmm. he ever will know. Mm -hmm. And so Hunter will take his cues from me. Mm -hmm. Is Jackson a pain in the ass? Is Jackson making our life harder? Or is Jackson a gift that's teaching us things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Such a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, well, you know. And so grounding for you to think that, to have that thought and be like, he's going to take his cues from me, so Mm -hmm. I need to to act in a way that makes him think that Jackson is a gift. And that's like anything in our kids. The stuff that we see in our kids that trigger us the most are things that they've learnt from us. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it! God, I hate hearing that. <laughs> yeah. But and I even also with my know. husband, you know, Hunter will do something and Hunt and Ryan will be like, I hate when he does it or why is he doing that? I'm like, where do you think he learned it, mate? Mm. You know, <laughs> you or me. <laughs> that's it. It's not like he's hanging out at someone else's house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that so, happens later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So even, you know, special needs siblings, they're all learning lessons as well. And it's it's kind of a heavy responsibility again to be like, what Hunter learns from this experience is contingent on the perspective that I show him. Um, and he's only six, so I can't expect him to be this enlightened, empathetic human. And I have to trust that he will grow into that, even if he's not showing that now, because he's only six. He only cares about himself. Whatever. Well, it's up to you guys to to model that empathy, and yeah. I'm sure you are. Yeah. Trying. Yeah. Trying. But that's a that's a a lot for you to hold as well. Like so much for you to hold. Trying to go on your own journey with the experience. Trying to present a certain or embody. Uh, I don't know. Im- yeah, yeah, not image, but embody a certain way of thinking. So. Mm-hmm. Your other son picks this up, and also Jackson. Yeah. That's so basically wearing all of you. Yeah. Well, no, to be honest, like, and I, I, I don't, I hate, I don't hate hearing that. That's beautiful to hear, but I fuck it up all the time. Mm. And I don't want to present this image to the world of like, I've got it all together and you should too, because, you know, I have to give myself so much grace all the time mm, for all yeah. the times that I screw it up and all the ways that I do it wrong. Um, and I've been, 
it's been a practice just to start being kinder to myself yeah because for so many years my self-talk was like what's wrong with you why are you screwing it up why can't you do this why aren't you coping better everyone else is and you're not and so because no one's perfect that's yeah. why but but what we see presented in the world is everyone's got it together how are you i'm fine how are you great thanks <laughs> <laughs> autopilot yeah but when we say we're in awe of you it's because of your perspective it's not because you're perfect it's because of the things that you're projecting right now and you're saying that you've learnt and I, I don't doubt that you stuff it up here and there and whatever, but I just want you to take that. Well, thank you. I'll receive that. <laughs> Another thing I'm working just on. Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you've got um, a course that you run or a mentorship coaching? Yes. So yeah, I offer a few services. Um, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, so you can literally just book one hour with me if you have something that you just want to talk through. Can um, anyone do this? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So um, everything's on my website, which is theautismcollective.com.au. Hey. Um, and I have other packages. I have women who work with me over a six-month period, one-on-one. -on -one, um, and I have a six-month group coaching program that's running at the moment called Regulated Motherhood. That's the one. Yeah. So that has a big focus on understanding the nervous system, understanding how we can't mother our children when we can't mother ourselves and we can't, um, you know, have a peaceful home when our nervous systems are so dysregulated to the point that we don't even know that we're dysregulated because it's how we are 24-7 in survival mode yeah and we can't even remember what homeostasis feels like because it's been seven years <laughs> isn't it crazy that the whole household is like the link the mum is the linchpin everyone could just be in a mess because the mum is in a mess but like, i just find that i mean it's obvious but but it's not we're so powerful <laughs> yeah yeah we are the heartbeat of the home and our energy permeates into everything yes. and that's why i try and explain to to mums who are like, I need to fix my kid, I need to fix my kid. And it's like, no, 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 like that's codependency. You're saying I can't be okay until my child is okay. But mm -hmm. the fact is your child will be okay when you're okay. We look at it all backwards. Mm -hmm. So that's, people come to me and they're like, oh, what about this medication? What about this therapy? And I'm like, stop thinking about your kid and start thinking about yourself. Because you're not going to be able to find a support worker or a great speechy when you are in about to break down. And, you know, when our kids get diagnosed, it, all the focus goes on the child. Yeah. And it's all about early intervention. Get on all the wait lists. Get all the therapies. Read all the books. Google to 3am. And the doctors never like, what are we going to put in place for mum? <coughs> Nothing gets put in place for mum. There might be a bit of, oh, you, you might want to see a counsellor or... Yeah, yeah. You know, side kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, just a little... And it's like, mum is the driving force in the home. Mum is setting the tone for the energy, for everything, generally, mum is the one that's making everything happen. Mm. And we're either making it happen from a place of like this frantic, stressed energy, or which is a really ineffective way to function, mm. or we're making it happen from this calm, everything's gonna be fine, it'll be what it'll be. We're good, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what makes all the difference. But we're so busy that we can't even slow down to be like, how do I feel today? Yeah. Like, what state am I in right now? Like, literally wake up, the adrenaline floods into your veins, <laughs> you start doing do-do-do-do-do all day. 
and then you fall into bed and then you can't go to sleep because your brain's thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, so that's regulated motherhood. So there's like six different themes, six different guest speakers, um, and it's working through understanding how do I show up when I'm dysregulated all the time? How can I show up when I'm not, you know, exhausted, depleted, mm -hmm. overwhelmed, mm -hmm. all the things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, yesterday I launched the NDIS Fairy, which is just going to be a very specific, specialised... Hi, cutie! <laughs> this Did is Rocco. So adorable. Um, so that's a very specialised service just for mums who are engaging with the NDIS. So yeah. at the moment, it's just got a few packages available for like just one-on-one -on -one, like coaching um, or if you want there's a package for um, if you're getting ready for your first meeting for your plan so it's like a series of three appointments to figure out what evidence do you need what goals do you want what kind of therapies do you want and it's it's such a system that you have to know how to work it to mm -hmm. get the best result and then even then you you know you, you need to be able to negotiate you need to be able to um, it's like the tax system yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you're like need, good it's like any government system. You yeah. have to know it kind of from the inside out to be able to get, which is unfortunate because the the vulnerable people, mm. and that's where yeah, my heart goes totally. out. You know, someone said to me recently, "Oh, my son's got an NDIS funding package, but we've never spent a cent of it because we don't know how." Mm. So who's losing out at the end of that? The child. Yeah. yeah. So, like a lot of government systems, it could be better. But um, that's my, yeah, yep. newest yep. offering. Great. Um, like I was saying earlier, I'm launching a podcast. So I've done one episode in six months. <laughs> so stay tuned. We'll let everyone yeah. know yeah. when you do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, when I was talking about, like, being kind to myself, a big thing coming out of being a, an entrepreneur, I suppose, is, like, having to walk my walk and talk my talk in terms of um, not expecting all the things from myself, right? You know, like the great thing about having my own business is I get to run my lifestyle how I want it to be. And if, mm -hmm. the, if my business ends up taking up all of my time so that I'm not present with my kids and I don't have time to be with my kids, like what is the point? Mm -hmm. So I was swimming with a friend on Sunday and I said, I've got to the end of the term again and there were like seven things I wanted to do this term and I've only done one of them. But I have to be like, hey, you did one of them. You did one. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, so many yeah. of us are that overachiever. Masculine. Personality that we think our value comes from the things that we're doing and not who we're being. Our output. Yeah. 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 And so even in that, I have to be kinder to myself of like, hey, you're choosing not to be rushing all the time. You're choosing to live a slower life. Like, you've got to honor that and you've got to be patient. Yeah. Be patient. Yeah, I'm feeling that a lot. Yeah. Um, recently, I've been, um, I've always been very output driven, and lately, I just, I just noticed I wasn't present with Rocco mm -hmm. like I was with Sadie. So it's just really honing back. And it's, when it's a good. passion project, it can be really hard to do that because mm. you're like, but I love this, and it makes me feel alive, and it makes me feel good, and I get a little ego boost, and all of that stuff, you know. But so you still, still need to moderate, yeah, because it's just we still have other things to do. We still have other lives, parts of our lives. So, how can we, as like a community, support families with neurodiversity? 
and mothers mm. with children mm. with neurodiversity yeah. and children? This is a good question. <laughs> when Jackson was first diagnosed, I was at mum's group and one of my friends, she's a teacher, she said to me, don't worry, Anna, um, they all catch up by the time they're about 18. Mm. And I just remember feeling so invalidated yeah. by what she said to me because my world was in turmoil and she's turning around going, it'll be fine. And I just was like, I could not have felt more distant from her in that moment, less understood and kind of gaslit really. Yeah. And so I think one of the most important things is just let us be real about it. Yeah. Because a lot of times when we're talking about difficult things that are happening, other people are really uncomfortable with it. Mm. And so they try to make it better. They try to fix us. Problem solving. Right. They can't just hold space and just let it be uncomfortable. They can't... um, Sometimes they're thinking, oh, if it was me, how would I... You know, so they're taking it all on and they're really uncomfortable with the situation so they're trying to fix it for us. It's like, you can't fix this. Mm. It's not your responsibility to fix it. Just let me talk about it without you feeling like you need to have the answers, fix the problem. We don't need anyone to fix us because we fix ourselves. We Mm. heal our own Mm. problems. Mm. The minute that we try and solve someone else's problem, we disempower them. So yeah, I think a really great Mm. way to support mums is to just be really open to wherever the conversation is going to go. And it doesn't always have to be fixed. It doesn't have to be wrapped up in a bow so that it's complete. Like sometimes we just need someone to say, I hear you. What you're going through is really challenging. Be kind to yourself. Don't expect yourself to always know the answers. Don't always think you have to have the answers. I think sometimes we just need people to see us in our struggles and just let us be. Let you wallow if you want to wallow. Yeah. Or Or just like be be an ear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it feels so much better when you do express everything to Absolutely. someone else. It's like that's like the first step. Mm-hmm. Once you kind of like got it off your chest and you're kind of like, oh, well, then you can start. I feel a bit lighter. Yeah. yeah. And what about um, actual support? Say if you are a mother or a family going through hard times, um, like physical support, like childcare, giving meals and things like that, is obviously that's as welcome as any mother who yeah. gets offered that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be really hard to let people in. Mm, okay. So I think letting someone know that you're, I guess this is only something that happens over time, but it's like, I have women tell me that they are rushing around frantically cleaning their house before the speech therapist arrives. Mm. So that's someone who comes every week and they're like, I'm exhausted because I'm constantly cleaning my house because the speech therapist is coming. Yes. So... There are a lot of women who feel like they need to have this, like to present a front of like, I've got it all together. Yeah. And I think finding a way to be that safe space that you can rock up and be like, here's lasagna for dinner. Mm. And I don't care that your toilet hasn't been cleaned for three weeks. Mm. And, you know, there's food on the walls. Yeah. Or whatever it is mm-hmm. it can be really hard to let people in because you know so many mums feel isolated especially in autism because we feel like we can't talk about the challenges because then we're bagging our kids 
That's the fact of it. Mm. We can't say, you know, the curtains are covered in food because my kid is breaking into the fridge at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm. Things like this, like, we're told, and I don't believe it. I think we need to be sensitive about the way we speak about what's going on, but we feel like we can't talk about our challenges because we're complaining about our kids. Mm. I find this in in motherhood in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's so difficult and feels so unnatural to complain. And I've been complaining a lot lately. And look, no one wants to hear someone complaining all the time. Obviously, that gets boring too. But every single time I've complained, I've felt this like real Repulsion, like, feeling like I shouldn't be complaining. Like, mm. But like, why not? If something is hard, why? Why yeah. do we find it so hard to complain? But yeah, I don't know. It's a strange thing. Mum guilt? Yeah, yeah, like mum guilt. It's like, yeah, it's like you're complaining that your child isn't living up to what you what you expected or whatever. Mm. Or it could be that whole I want to appease my friends, so I'm not gonna complain the whole time because they don't want to hear that. Or you, so yeah, I'm be the nice. You don't want to be friend, You don't want to be a downer. You don't want to be a negative downer. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't want to be. No one will want to hang out with you if you're complaining all the time. Which it's funny because I can I can see like I don't really want to hear someone complain all the time either. So but when your there's, friends there's, are confiding, there's real balance, isn't there? When your friends are confiding in you, what are you thinking? Exactly. Well, I just think I'm just giving empathy to them. Hmm. What do I think when someone's like complaining about their life? A lot. I, of, I reckon a lot of the time I'm thinking, like, if it's something that I'm not experienced, I'm like. I'm glad that I'm not experiencing that. Yeah. <laughs> and my time will come. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my... Especially with the two of us, because we're so close, we're always in this seesaw operation of one of us is always having, like, a relationship problem when the other one's yeah. doing all right. And yeah. one... So you're, constantly... like, alternate between holding space for each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which yeah. works Just out good. well. Mm. But... I go into fix-it mode. Mm. I'm mm. one of those, I think. Okay, so how can we? What can we do here? Da, 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 da. I don't know how helpful that will be sometimes. Sometimes it is helpful for so, like you want to be heard, and sometimes it's helpful for someone to give you a different perspective, mm. but not so much like you should do this. But like a lot of the time, you do need to be told like you need to step away from your house, go get some self care. Like that's a fix it thing, but sometimes you do need someone. Yeah, but to you tell never you. like to hear it. In your, when you're in the complaining mode. No. Someone say, step out of your house, go. You've done that to me. Go have a bath. I'm like, oh. no. Not ready for that this yet. This is not still about me. Like I'm complaining about him. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it just takes asking the question, saying, what do you, yeah. Do you just need someone to listen right now? Or would you like to hear what I think? Or would you mm. like to hear about a time I experienced so that? Simple. Or do you simple. just would you just like someone to listen? Right? It's like even having those boundaries in our friendships to be able to say to someone, I just need to say something and I don't want you to say anything back to me. I just need to get this off mm. my heart. And yes. to know that you've got someone who can just hold it and be like, Yeah, cool. That's such a good one, especially saying like, Do you I just need you to listen? And not tell me about a time because a lot of the time then we, we always like yeah. as human beings we always ourselves. make it about yes. ourselves like yeah. we're like oh so you want me to be relatable okay so i'll pull out time that my partner did that to me or my kid did that so then you know that it's not just you and you don't feel alone yeah, yeah. 
But then there's like, why have you made this about your it's fight back in yeah. 2007? Yeah. <laughs> Even that is invalidating because it's like saying, yeah, but what about me? Yeah. 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 And sometimes we pull out our stories because it's like, this is how I fixed it. And that's still going to, I'm trying to fix you. Yes. Gosh, but out of being able to hold space and just let someone say something and just be like, I see you. Mm. You're holding a lot. The art of holding space. Wow. We need to write a little... <laughs> It's not something that we get taught though, right? And we get taught very young, oh, fix your friend's problems and they'll like you. That's where your value comes from, being the fixer. Mm. Yeah. So this podcast has gone What's in a time? very different direction to where like I envisioned. What did you is, envision? Well, I don't know. We had some questions. I, don't, I didn't even really look at the sheet now. Like, <laughs> I, and I don't want to. Like... But it's beautiful. This is so much more about relationships and, and connection to self and working on oneself. Mm. This I is what I find so fascinating about, like, someone will come to me and they're like, I've got this problem because of autism. Yes. Right? I've got this problem because of motherhood. I've got this problem because of a medical condition. And it's like, dude, if that problem hadn't come up because of autism or motherhood, it would have come up because of Something a car crash or your marriage or the way your mother-in-law speaks to you or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like I say, being a special needs mum just means that everything is heightened. Right? Like conscious parenting is not about our kids. It's about changing ourselves. And as soon as something gets more challenging, like having a diagnosis, it just heightens it and magnifies it and just brings it out more readily be like hey here it is instead of you being able to kind of like shush it down and like compensate and navigate around the things that we need to learn in life mm-hmm. like we can when we're younger when we don't have partners to take into account or children to raise then these things like kids come along and diagnosis comes along or marriage or whatever it is and it's like here you need to look at this <laughs> yeah you know instead of just being like ah don't need to deal with that I just Netflix and there is literally a wall in front of you you cannot go through it until you work it out Mm. (laughs) Mm. it's big it's Mm. a good summary so perhaps we need to wind it down and ask our soulful six because I feel like we've got a lot of beautiful information out of you today Mm. so far so have you do you know about our soulful six I do not okay we typically ask six questions and we've got new ones this season. Okay. Just to kind of get to the soul of you, understand yeah. you a little bit, bit more. All right. So what's Is this one of the one? things where you have to say, like, the first thing that comes into your Yes. Yeah. So typically it's the first thing. What was the thing we said? The first thing first that comes thing that to your comes... head is usually the truth. Yeah, you just go with whatever right. comes from your heart. All right. Okay, so first one. What is floating your boat right now? Mm. Dreaming of going to Queensland. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Love that. That's floating all our boats. Oh, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Tell myself not to check Instagram. Oh, I know. <laughs> but then do you check Instagram? Yep. <laughs> my latest is Wordle. Are you oh, onto Wordle? My husband does the Wordle. Oh, I love Wordle. Yeah. I, yeah, it's not about me. <laughs> Are you caffeinated or decaffeinated, mother? Decaffeinated. You're a decaffeinated mother, okay. Yeah. Tell, do you want to delve into that? Um, <laughs> I just stopped having coffee when I got pregnant with Jackson. So that's like nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And then um, I never really went back to it. I stick coffee up my butt, but not in my mouth. Very <laughs> coffee okay, I love it. I have no tolerance now. So like, even if I have a cup of tea, I can feel the 
caffeine in my veins. I'm like that too. Yeah. I had two so this coffees. Shy. A little bit. <laughs> two coffees the other day. Did not sleep till like three in the yeah. morning. Do you have a girl crush? <laughs> Me. <laughs> yes! Go girl. <laughs> yeah. If you could tell your 18 year old self some words of wisdom, yeah. what would it be? In a nutshell. <laughs> How long you got, yeah. Um, just trust yourself. Mm. Yep. Mm. What would you love to give yourself a pat on the back for? Trusting myself. <laughs> it just took me 20 years to get there. <laughs> but you got there. It takes yeah, a lot longer. Sorry. It takes a whole lifetime for some people. Mm. And yeah. they never get there. Oh, look, it's always a process, isn't it? But... So congratulations to you. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It's been really awesome to come and chat with you guys. It's been so nice. I feel like this is, is like to a T what I needed. Mm-hmm. Everything that you've said yeah. has turned my day to a flip. Now yeah. I need to go and meditate on how to articulate. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mention actually, but I hold women's circles. And I talk a lot about how, like, sharing our story is medicine for, for all the people that we share it with. Yeah. And, but it's also medicine for ourselves to be able to, like, just let the truth out. Mm. And, like, it, it's so healing to share and know that, like, it's okay. Like, all of me is okay. Yeah. Even the terrible parts that I think yeah yeah everything is okay do you have a women's circle coming up like a special a date or yeah the next one's on the 31st of July I think it's a Sunday okay um so they're held at the moment in Frankston South yeah so the next the theme of the next circle is surrender oh my god we will be there so 31st of July let's do it um on my website okay Thank you so much. You're welcome for being here. Thank you. This has been me. great. Yeah, Our yeah. first guest of the second season has not disappointed at oh. all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Because no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Because no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Because no one can do it like we do it, like we do it. Thanks for listening to the St. Magella podcast. If you love this episode and want to hear more, Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. You can also join us in the shift from depleted mother to nurtured mother at www.saintmagella.com, on Instagram at saintmagella, or by sharing with a mama friend. Speak soon. Bye.